This episode is brought to you by Turtle Straws. Um, it is a company started by my friend, uh, Mr. Alex Bruce. Um, if you guys have a look back through previous episodes, you'll actually find he featured um, as a guest on one of my episodes, and we went into a lot of detail um, about this company. Um, basically, they make uh, sustainable uh, drinking straws out of straw. Uh, so it's not like paper, where you, you pay your money and you have your straw and it falls apart after five minutes and it feels like you're sucking an old newspaper um, and it also isn't like plastic in that it is a completely natural product um, and does not last a thousand years on this planet. So if you guys head to uh, Instagram and you can find them at turtle at turtle dot straws um, and you can you can follow them, give them a follow there. Alternatively, you can head to turtlestraws.co.uk and you can check out their blog, see what they're um, they're up to um, in their kind of fight to to kind of raise awareness on plastic pollution. Um, as well as all the great, great products they sell. Uh, so yeah, take a look at that. Currently, if you actually go onto their Instagram, they're doing a bit of a deal at the moment where if you sort of DM them uh, with what's happening and everything like that, rather than going through Amazon, if you drop them a DM um, and give them your address and, and sort out the payment, everything, uh, they are selling their box of 50 straws for only three ninety nine. So you guys can have some, uh, as they say, sustainable sipping um, straight from your, from your living room. Because let's face it, we can't go to any bars right now um, but we still do like making the cocktails at the weekend to remind us what is out there. Um, so, guys, yeah, hope you're all uh, staying safe. Hope you're all staying inside. And please do enjoy the episode. Good evening, guys. Welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Hope you guys are all well, staying safe in lockdown. Hope you're all behaving yourselves. Um, I am here with none other, Mr. Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I, those of you that listen to the podcast know I started this uh, in January, and um, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's like my second love after windsurfing. Um, and I was stoked, or I am stoked, uh, to be on the podcast today with Mr. Jack McGee, uh, the, the owner. The, what are you? Are you the guru? The the, the <laughs> well, they, they give us a lot of names. And in Brazil, the word for teacher is professor. Professor. Uh, I, just, I can't get used to it. I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> but um, I just like the word coach. You know, coach is easy. Yeah, so just, but you know, you get called all sorts: sensei, yeah. professor, guru, coach. I just call me whatever. I, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna call you Jack for this podcast. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good, um, good. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah. How how are you, mate? Are you finding how are you finding lockdown? Is it is it tough? Is it easy? Uh, I've got. I don't know. I've got a mentality of just sort of adapting to stuff and like finding the finding the good stuff in it. You know, and like. This this lockdown for a lot of people, everyone's some people focused on the negatives, um, and then others focused on the positives. And and it, for me, I just try and you know, I've seen a lot of people getting out there and in the, in the you know going on walks with their family, and I love it. See people doing exercises and fitness videos, and some of them are good, some of them aren't. But either <laughs> way, everyone's everyone's doing something. You know, everyone's even if they're doing a rubbish burpee, it's, it's better than sitting on your sofa. So I'm loving it. Yeah, it's good. Exactly, yeah. Now, it is one of those things, I think, suddenly everyone's become a fitness expert, but I suppose it's it's better than being an expert in certain other things, isn't it? So Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot worse ways to spend your time than sweating. So, you know, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good. Absolutely. Well, um, you, you said to me just before we started the podcast, you're, you're only allowing yourself to drink at weekends. Um, so you're... <laughs> For this for this chat, you're going to be beerless, but I am I am not beerless, so I'm I'm going to be drinking some beers. I hope that's all right with you. You're sipping a tea. Yeah, yeah I would, I'm just having a coffee. Got oh, a, um, 
his little mug mad at his mug one of my students got me that's, uh, nice, that's nice yeah yeah so, um, so so i mean tell me a little bit about yourself i mean i i mean i first met you i emailed you kind of beginning of january and was like my friend said i should start jiu-jitsu I've, i wanted to get into something new um and then you straight away you were like yeah mate come along it's free blah 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 um so how did you how did you get into jiu-jitsu how how did that journey start for you so um I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself uh growing up so i had two brothers and one sister and yeah. um we we just used to wrestle all the time we used to go up to like um this wrestling club it was like a wwf style wrestling thing yeah and there was like this this guy like this short stocky guy called jay the hammer and uh and phil the stallion and there was yeah, some yeah. Characters. <laughs> and it was just like a wrestling ring in a garage and like we went up there and we were just like throwing each other around and learning all the pro wrestling stuff. Yeah. And and we'd like get home and wrestle on in the front room and, and then as we grew up a little bit, um I just wasn't into it and started doing like gymnastics, trampolining, and my brothers were like still boxing, still wrestling. They'll be like, Oh, come in here, come in here. So they'd get me in the room and we'd we'd start sparring and and they'd like hit me and I weren't I did weren't really feeling like getting punched too much. But um then they started, they, they went to jiu-jitsu and they come back and it was a guy called Paul Bridges that taught it. Right. They come back and they're like, we're doing this jiu-jitsu, you've got to try it. So they started grappling and um, and I just kept headlocking them. And I was like, this, this, is, this stuff's rubbish, it doesn't work. Like, look, look at it. Like, and I was just squeezing these headlocks. Well, then they went back to him and said, um, oh, how'd you get out of the headlock? Well, once they got out of the headlock, they kept armbarring me, choking me and everything. And I was like, I've got to learn this. But I, I went to a couple of the classes, looked at the coach, and I thought, he looks like a little pussy. Like, <laughs> you know, and I just, now I thought, like, what's he going to show me? And I remember just, just grappling him and just feeling helpless. And I was like, yeah. right, I've got, I got to learn this. Um, <laughs> but at the time, I was, my brother was traveling, and he was like, because um, my dad was away a lot working, but right. my brother was like, he sort of like, we all looked up to him. Yeah, yeah. And then he went traveling. So I went off the rails a little bit. And, you know, just, just your normal kids. Well, it was normal for where I was from. I was from Kent. And it was like, you know, like, like nicking cars and stuff and just yeah. doing simple things. And then, and then my brother come back and he's like, Jack, you've got to stop doing this. Like, you, you know, you're going to end up in prison um, and start training jujitsu. And I was like, nah. And he went, I'll pay for your first month of training. Yeah. So I said, all right. So I, I went training with him. And I was, I was liking it a little bit, but I was like, I don't know, I was very much into sort of the, the sort of dark side, like of like going out partying and drinking and, and sort of all that. And I was trying to explore that area. And, how um, and it, huh? How old were you at this time? Uh, 17. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. at that age. And then, yeah. And then he, he was like, I'm going to Brazil. You, you should come. Oh, I'm like, yeah. Uh, nah, like now I should be like, yeah, but like I had my friends and uh, oh, yeah, and I was like making a bit of money, like doing a few few bits and pieces, selling a bit of weed and whatnot. <laughs> and anyway, he um he said to me, like, I've saved up and he'd, he'd worked and everything and he was doing those little jobs and he'd saved up, I think, a couple of grand. And he was like, I'm going to go out to Brazil. So yeah. I, luck would have it. There was like something dodgy come about and I ended up earning about two and a half, three grand from it. <laughs> so I was like, I, I had a bit of a scare and I had a bit of a fight with some guys. They jumped me in a car um, and then I was just like, right, I'm, I'm going to Brazil. 
like I'm going to go with him. Yeah. So I just said, Adam, like I'm booking a ticket with you, and he's like, "Where'd you get your money from?" I was like, "I'm just coming to Brazil." Oh, that, yeah, yeah, and like so, seventeen, like went to Brazil with my brother, and and that's where it all sort of changed, really. Like, yeah. not just not just my view on jujitsu, but I was like, I was like turning down this trip of like I remember just walking down the beach and just seeing like beautiful beaches, amazing water, like eating unbelievable food. You know, pretty women everywhere. All the guys were in good shape, but like really confident people. And I was like, "This is like this is life. Like not yeah. not sort of like you know having a beer in a pub and and like trying to be a tough guy in your local pub. Like yeah, yeah, these yeah. guys, the the best jujitsu guys there, they didn't even worry about being tough. They just done it because they liked to train jujitsu. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. So um, so we turned up and we had like shaved heads. We were white as white as anything, and we're like going um, jujitsu, Brazilian <laughs> jujitsu, and yeah. people were like, "What?" We're like, "Jujitsu? Where's jujitsu?" And then one of them was like, "Jujitsu," and we're like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh, jujitsu? Yeah, it's down over there." So we rocked up at like um, Gracie Baja headquarters, which yeah. is where Carlinhos Gracie run Gracie Baja, and at the time. Um, 2001 2002 sort of time it was like it was just mean like you went, it was a nice gym called Bifit I think the name was and then you go up and you think this is nice and you go up again oh, it's nice and you go up again and it starts getting hot and at the very top there's like a tinned roof oh man and the mats are like they're jigsaw mats but they're about that far apart and there's just pubic hair built up in them <laughs> and like there's geese that are hung over the all the side, like people just hang their geese. So they train, sweat, yeah. and they just hang the geese on the side. And then when they come back, they pick them back up. And the, the, the sun's pretty much killed anything. Um, but like the, the geese, they were like um, brown. They weren't like white. They were all the colours that like, no, where they, they were sun. Yeah, they were like skin on all the colour. Like you grab oh. people's collar and it was slimy. And you just hear these like, these guys like wrestling and going at it. And I was just like, this is like the lion's den, you know? Oh, yeah. And um, and we we stood up there and we was up there for about about an hour. No one spoke to us, you know? We were, like, you'd think, we thought we'd walk in there and they'd be like, oh, like, come on, train. And they're like, we just looked, stand there. And like, a few people were looking over, like grunting. And no one spoke English, really. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then I just heard this Northern accent. And this guy was like, you fucking, what the fuck are you doing here? What, you look like fucking rapists. And I was like, that sounds for me, it's a nice, it's a nice to hear your accent. Yeah, but yeah. But like, you have just said in front of all these people that I look like a rapist. Yeah. What have you just called me? Yeah, and he went, get some fucking sun on you. And he said, what, what, and he was, his name Ben Poppleton. And um, we train together now and he's like, you know, a really good friend. I look up to him a lot and he's, he's got some, He's just a smart guy about about. He's smart about what he knows about anything else. He won't even talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he runs the Gordo Federation in Europe, which which my my team's under. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, we, we it was just crazy. Like we were just there training with them, and and like we'd all been under the sort of English side of jujitsu, and we're like we're going there with that mentality, and I don't think. I don't. I don't think our coach had even really been to Brazil, and he'd spoke with like a Brazilian accent. But he just—he's a bit of a character, anyways. Yeah, yeah. He's 
Paul Bridges. He's just like the other day. He's just a, a funny guy. Like he's he's very he's very serious about what he does, but he's just like he's he, I don't know, he's, he's, a, he's a good character. You, you'll probably meet him at one time anyway. He'll come over or something. Yeah, but um, he like brung us up like yeah, just just use your technique. Don't use any effort. And so I'm like rolling these massive like black belts and I'm a white belt and I'm like trying to use all technique and they're like, what are you doing? Yeah, put some like, effort in, mate. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, no, I'm just using my technique and they're like, I'm a black belt. If you use technique, I'm going to smash you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So so then like I learned to go a bit harder and and then, yeah, I was just loving it out there. And I went there for three months and then awesome. I had a girlfriend at the time and I was like, like I'd sort of just just sort of missed her and wanted to come back and come back and I was just like, what the fuck did I come back? Yeah. <laughs> and then I split up with her and then just like, I think I like done a bit of door work, saved up a bit more money. Uh, and then as I was doing door work, I was I was on a holiday park and I was like, I just want to do MMA. Like I wanted to do the, the MMA side of it. So I... I looked around, the nearest one was Brighton and I was living in Canberra at the time. Yeah. And it was under a guy called Sol Gilbert. Um, and he's like, he's another guy that's influenced me a lot. You know, he's like, he, I, I turned up there at his gym and he was just like, oh, do you, what do you want to do? And I was like, I just want to fight MMA. And he's like teaching me boxing. My boxing was all right, but it wasn't anywhere near where it needs to be. Yeah. And he, he was like showing me Muay Thai and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And he's, and then he's like, do you want to do some rolling? I was like, yeah, like, yeah, okay. And he's like, we've done it before. I'm like, yeah, a bit. And like, as we're rolling, I'm like tapping him out. And he's like, shit. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah. And then he was like, right. And he sort of saw that, like, we benefited each other. His striking was very good. My grappling was good. And I didn't really see it. I'm just like, I've just seen him fight MMA. I was like, he's doing what I want to do. Like, I'm, I, you know, sort of idolizing this guy. Yeah. And I was going up there every weekend, traveling up there and back and up there and back. And, and in the end, I just thought, I just want to stay up there for the weekend. So I used to get up there. I used to train and then I'll just stay outside till the next day. Because um, it was like a bit of, it was a couple of different trains and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and in the end, he was like, man, if you want to stay up here, just like, just stay up here. He's like, I'll, I'll set you up, you know, you can stay in the gym and then I'll set you up a place to stay and, and he like he really looked after me a lot, and I, I sort of trained up there, uh, stayed with all different friends of ease, and he put me up in all different places, and I taught a lot of classes. Um, and one of the first classes I taught, he was like, "I'm going to give you your own class," and I'm like, "Oh, brilliant!" And I always used to wear like a, like a lycra top and lycra shorts, like the old MMA guys. Yeah, and they're all Brazilian colours. And he was like, "Yeah, I've got this like rainbow jujitsu," and I'm like. And back then, I didn't know what rainbow was. Like, I don't know it was the the sort of symbol for what it is. Or yeah, yeah. And uh, and I like, <laughs> turned up, and I'm like, got these couple of birds, couple of guys. I'm like, this is a good, like, good to start my own class. It turns out it was a, a gay jujitsu class. No way. Um, and it was like it was it was advertised as such, and it was popular. It was in Brighton, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking away, and there's guys, there's girls, uh, and I just had no suspicion, you know, and, and if. After about a couple of months, he's like, how are you find that? I'm like, brilliant. I love it. And he's like, all right, tell me what it was. And I was like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't believe you didn't tell me that. But um, yeah, that was quite, it was quite, but he was always up to like little pranks like that. And and then I, I sort of went back out to Brazil, come back. 
And then I went out there another time and, and I'd sort of travelled a lot then. And that's sort of where my my travelling, I just winged it. The whole way I travelled, I just absolutely winged it. Yeah, yeah. Best way of doing it. Yeah. Right. So then, so you, you'd, you'd done that. Like, at what point were you, were you kind of still a white belt when you were doing this? Or had you started to like get up to a, a kind of a, a, a better level? So when I went to Brazil the first time, I'd been a white belt for a while. Right. And... Um, and I, I was like, I wanted my blue belt. Like everyone who's white belt wants a blue belt because it's just like, and the thing with jujitsu is it takes so long to go from white belt to blue belt, like compared to other sports that you go and tell your friend like, yeah, I'm a white belt. And then like a year later, you're like, yeah, I'm a white belt, two stripes. And he's like, but you're still a white belt. And you're like, yeah, but like I got these two stripes. Say, yeah. He's like, fuck off. He's like, my niece was a white belt for a week and she done karate. Yeah. Yeah. So like people that don't know, they don't get it. But like it's just it's just it's one of the funny things about jujitsu. And like so like I would see like the blue belts and up there and, and then they said to me, Oh, do you want to come and do a competition? Um and this is where I learned about a thing called the Brazilian time. Um so I was, I was like, yeah, we'll do it. And it was in Sao Paulo or something. And, and it was in Rio. And they're like, right, we'll meet at like 10 in the morning. Yeah. So we met up and everyone's just messing around, like not really doing anything. And, and I was like, I thought it was meant to be there. And they're like, oh, don't, just chill out. And we drove for like miles and miles. And we turned up like four hours late. And we still had to wait around for three hours before our thing started. <laughs> and it was just, yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was like, we done a comp and I was a white belt at the comp and they're like what's your name and I was like Jack <laughs> and they're like what and they go to my brother what's your name and he's like Adam anyway on the sign up sheet I looked for my name and it was like gringo one gringo two they <laughs> 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 obviously like didn't hear our name and just thought of course gringo yeah yeah Gringos. and so my my technique at the time I just used to pull guard and just cross collar choke and just squeeze the choke like mad yeah, and I finished every single match in in the first couple of minutes with that in this tournament in Brazil. Sick. And uh, and I got to the final where and the guy like the guy was mustard. He's just like grabbed me, shook me down as I stood up. He like flying on by me, and I was like, all right, <laughs> like I've come to Brazil and got second. I don't mind. Oh yeah, I'll do, um, man. I'll do. So like after that, everyone was like talking about me and like going like, oh well done, well done, and sort of got a bit of respect. Yeah. Um, and then Carlinos was like, he was going. So he left and I was like, well, that's it. I'm not getting my blue belt. I thought I might have got it from him. Like you get your blue belt for Gracie. It's good. And he just, he, then he come back like two days before I left. And, and he was like, oh, like come up here. And he give me and my brother our blue belts. And we oh, were just hi. like, we were buzzing. We phoned my little brother. We're like, oh, we've got our blue belts. And then like, Carlinos gets on the phone to my little brother and starts telling him and we're like Carlinos speak like Carlinos Grace is speaking to our little brother and it was and back then it's like you just never got this you you, you know like now you know at our gym we get like absolute legends coming to the gym and t- you know Dean Lister people like that coming to the gym um, Silver Bear and all coming and teaching but like then you just never got that so to go over there and chat to him he's like we see like Hoyler Gracie in it, having a juice and he sat with us and was like, how are you doing guys? And we're like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. unbelievable. It's but, like rock stars of the sport. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was just sort of like, they're just, you know, they're just guys. They're like, come up the mountain, come and do a run with us tomorrow. And we're yeah. like, <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. so it was brilliant. Like, and, and, and then I got my blue belt. And then I sort of, I wanted to do MMA. Um, so I started doing MMA, had my first MMA fight. And uh, my thing was grappling. So my game plan was always like, go in there, yeah, take them down, submit them. Uh, and my first opponent, I can't remember the name of him. It was like Jake Blythe or something. And I think he was from Mark Weir's school or something like that. And he pulled out last minute and he was a striker. And I'm like, <clears throat> all I've been working is like, hit, 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 take down, uh, submit. Yeah. And um, they're like, oh, your opponent's changed. Like, and it wasn't, that was ignored. Your opponent's changed. It was at South Parade Pier. I was like, who is it? And they're like, oh, it's a guy, Rodrigo. I'm like, Sounds pretty Brazilian to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh, blue belt and like blue belt at the time in England was white. And uh, I'm like, so what's he's uh, what's he do? And they're like, oh, he's a he's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu jitsu. He's Brazilian. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> pretty much just screws up my plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. so like, I didn't want to pull out of the fight, um, but like at the same time, I was thinking, well. You know, he's probably just a grab and they're like, he works in the kitchen, like he works in a restaurant in the kitchen, like he's nothing. He's not that people that work in a restaurant in the kitchen are nothing, but like they're going, it's not like he takes it serious. So I was like, all right. Yeah. So yeah. I turned up at the way in and, and like my dad's come to support me and like my trainer's soul's there. And as I'm sitting at the thing, they like call your names and you both stand up. Yeah. yeah. And my dad my dad's sitting there with me and he's like, Look at the size of that guy over there. And I was like, Oh shit, yeah, he's massive. Like Big arms, like big tanned guy, long dark hair, and I was like, "Fuck, what a stud!" Yeah. And my dad's like, "Imagine fighting him!" I was like, "We wouldn't want it, would you?" And he's like, "Nah." And then they're like, "Jack McGee and Rodrigo," and I stood up and I looked over and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> and then my dad, my dad, like, my dad's like, "That's all right, like, you know, he doesn't look tough," and I'm like, "Doesn't." Doesn't no, he doesn't look tough. He doesn't look like he's ever been hit. Like, yeah, exactly. He doesn't know what. He doesn't need to be tough. <laughs> Yeah, I remember people going like I think my coach said to me, he's like, like, you know, are you all right? Are you all right fighting this guy? Like you're happy to fight him? And I'm like, well, yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fight we went on, I got out of a couple of his triangles, slammed him a few times, and, and then he got the triangle on me. And I was like, after that fight, I think it was the best thing losing the fight because after that I was like, I just want to train more and get better. Because yeah. I'd done the scary bit, I'd had that fight. Yeah. And then the next fight was um, a Lithuanian K1 fighter, and it was in Margate. And like all the guys from Brighton had come down, and all my family from Kent had come down. Yeah, no. And as I walked out, I was like, I could just hear like, <clears throat> like screaming. I was like, fucking hell, like pumped. And like everyone was pumped to come down and see me because all my family didn't come to the Portsmouth one because it was quite yeah. far. Yeah, um, they would all come to this one, and all my mates were there, and I'm like, and they're like, "Come on, Jack!" And it's it was it was still quite a new thing at the time, and like to have a friend that's a cage fighter was like big. So I'm like, like fucking pumped up, and and I just he threw his punch, and I just heard it go past my ear, and I thought, well, if that had hit me, that <laughs> would have like yeah. yeah. So I grabbed him around the waist, just picked him up, and slammed him, and. um and then he was just out. And I was like punching him. And then I was like, geez, like, just out. And, I, and then uh, I think it was like 12 seconds, the fight. <laughs> uh, 
yeah and I was like <laughs> and I, yeah and it was just crazy and like you know there was other fights and, and I've always like I've always I've always fought like decent people and like and when I've travelled I fought like in Russia I fought Germany and fought like jiu-jitsu comps in Brazil and yeah, and I've all and like fought grappling in Thailand, Thai boxing and stuff, and I've never always wanted to push myself, but like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you think, oh, there was definitely easier fights at the time that you could have taken, but it was always nice to know that, like, no matter what, I was always like taking the hard fights. Yeah, so. yeah, well, you, you kind of you kind of prove yourself a bit more, don't you? You got you know, the, yeah, all, all the best thing ha- things happen when you challenge yourself, don't they? You know. At least then when you do win and stuff, you're like, I, I won because I was genuinely, you know, the best one and you overcame it. Yeah. And like, I never, I don't know, I just always, I never, I never aspired to being like the UFC. I did have a try at fighting in the UFC. I went over to Vegas and I'd, I'd done the UFC tryouts. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think that's what sort of really put me off, like having that dream of fighting in the UFC because everyone was like, do you want to fight in the UFC? And I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, I just, I fucking love life. Do you know what I mean? I, I find so much excitement in, you know, I could, I live opposite a field. I could walk over that field and be just as excited about seeing like a buzzard fly over my head or like a deer as I would like going and training with like a world-class fighter. And I don't know if it's because I have trained with world-class fighters, but like, I just find, I find so much happiness in such simple things that, I never really have a dull day. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. my girlfriend thinks I'm like a, she's like, you, you know, thinks she, well, she likes it, but it's quite immature. Like I'll go and climb a tree opposite mine. And I'm like, yeah. she's like what have you been doing? I'm like, I just climbed this tree and like got all the ivy out of it. Cause I just wanted to. And she's like, how do you feel? I'm like, good. <laughs> like, yeah. So like, so things like fighting in UFC didn't bother me, but I went to the tryouts and then there was, it was in Vegas and, and like um, a couple of guys sponsored me to, to go out there. So they paid for everything. Yeah. And I was like hitting pads and the guy, um, he's, he, Mark, uh, the hyena, he's like a Thai boxer trainer. And he, he was like, man, you're really good. Like come to the tap out gym tomorrow and we'll do some sparring now. So I thought, well, this is good. Like the guy that's doing the tryouts for it is like asked me to go and go and do some sparring and like, so it's good. So I've done that. And the next day was the grappling. So the grappling, they give me like an opponent. I took him down, submitted him loads. And they're like, oh, brilliant. Like, what's your name? And, and I got through to the, to the interview. And, um, and there was other guys there that were like, not that good, really. Yeah. And they weren't, they weren't submitting people. They wasn't doing good in the pads. And then in the interview, they like, they sat us all down outside and they said to, they said to me like, oh, um, they were looking at my record and they went, oh, you fought, fought in some good places. What gym are you under? And I went, I'm, I'm not at a gym. Like, I just I just train in my own gym with my own mates to, like, yeah. travel around and stuff. And they went, all oh, right. And they went, what makes you different to everyone out there? And I said, well, when I was out there, everyone was talking about who they fight and what they would do. And, and I said, if I'm honest, I don't really give a shit who I fight. Like, I, I would fight any of them until I've got no energy left to fight any of them. Yeah, you know, like you could line them up, and if I beat the first person, I'd easily fight the second and the third, and it wouldn't matter to me. And they went, "Oh, we like that. Yeah, we like that." So, give them all my details, and then like, I'm sitting at home. I think I'll fucking cream that. I've done all the stages because there were people getting sent home through the stages. Yeah, and then like, 
like we say, they're like, yeah, we've got the guys that we've picked. I didn't even email me to say you didn't make it. Oh, man. And I was like, shit, I'm not on there. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I was, I was watching it because I was curious to see who was on there and there was like there were decent people on there but there were people that were just utter shit and I thought I wonder if they've like they've just got their golden boys and then they've like fluffed up with a few shit people so the golden boy and I it just put me off like yeah yeah so it just put me off like pursuing that course so then I sort of went back to grappling although like the MMA made a bit more money um, but I never really, I never really made too much money out of like fighting really, like for like some shows, but I think my last fight I done on Bama, I, 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 I'd been going partying and doing stuff before and like going out and, and I got a phone call like, what weight are you at? And I was like, 77. And they're like, do you want to fight at 77? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then just fought on Bama and I, I fought the guy and gassed out, like I was beating him, uh, Tom Breezy's name was and then I just started gassing and I thought I shouldn't have taken this fight like I looked at him and I was like he's like ripped to fuck like just looks pumped like and he he was fit you know he was in shape and I just walked in there like off the back of two weekend benders and just like gone in there and I was like man this guy's fucking easy you like, know and the next thing I was like <gasps> I'm knackered and then I just couldn't do anything <laughs> and like everyone's like what happened I was like enough I didn't want to be like at the time I didn't want to be like well I've just been out for two weeks mate but um yeah and like he was training with like all the best people in the UK and I was training with my own students which were like white and blue belts at the time so like I just thought nah I need to I need to change my focus here and and I just went back to doing just jujitsu really but yeah so then is that is that would you say that's why you kind of opened um Mad Hatter's Asylum, like the the place where where you teach jujitsu and stuff. Do you think you kind of said, right? Well, instead of kind of fighting myself, I'm going to start sort of passing this knowledge on. And then obviously you had that prior memory of of like teaching, teaching and really enjoying it. Do you think you kind of mm. decided to put your focus more into that? Well, yeah, I was. I was but when I took that fight, I was I already had Mad Hatter's. That was established okay. in 2010, right? Um, and and I had a couple of guys there and the way I used to do it was my focus was like, I just want these guys to be good enough so I can train with people that make me better. Yeah. And I never really cared about coaching them and stuff like that. And I just used to go in, fuck them up and like exhaust them, get exhausted myself, train really hard. And like, we'd all leave smashed to pieces and like go yeah. home. Well, what that done was potentially lost me like 80% of my student base because girls wouldn't train with us. Not, not that like girls won't train with people that have this sort of this sort of attitude because I know some tough girls out there. But like you'd come in our gym, we'd be swearing, we'd be sexist, we'd be fucking abusive a to each club. other. It was like a boys' yeah, club. It was like it was a proper like boys' club, yeah. And then, like we'd all go out drinking with each other, partying with each other, and then we'd train, and it was just no time for any any people that you know. You know, when you turn into a gym, you like might um and ah about going in and. And if like they're all just training, like look up and like come on, mate, grab a gi, you may be put off. Yeah. So like it was after that, that I thought like I've been around some of the best coaches in the world, like, and and that's not it's not me. I've been around the best coaches in the world, um, and been taught by them. I've I've been around like I've lived with some of the best coaches in the world. You know, I've 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 studied under some of like um, Dennis Ash. Um, 
he was like one of a great coach. Gordo, he's a great coach. You know, Sol Gilbert's great coach. Um, and there was just like uh, Robert Follis, like a great coach for Team Quest. And all these people, like even Thai boxing coaches that I had, K1 coaches, boxing coaches when I was little, I had like uh, Lee Pullen, who's like the under 21 Olympic coach. And all these coaches had like put a lot of time into me. Yeah. And all I saw was what they had trained me in. And then I started to look back and I was like, you know, what triggered me? What what was it that I liked about people? What made me want to impress them? What And I, and I sort of put together my training plan of how I can not just make my students better, but how I can make students that I normally wouldn't coach want to train jiu-jitsu. So I needed to make the environment right. I needed to make the way I come across better. You know, I'm, I'm an, I was an uneducated um, thug who liked fighting. Yeah. yeah now that doesn't appeal to your Joe Bloggs who doesn't want to fight, who just wants to get fit. Yeah. And, you know, if someone come in and went, I don't want to compete, I'd be like, well, you never get fucking graded, so you may as well leave. Um, but, you know, that's never, you're never going to run a gym like that for very long. So... I really started to look at like how I how I worked with my mental toughness, um, what motivated me, what demotivated me, what put me off, you know, what gave me my bad day. And I, I put together like a training package and it's always changing. Like, you know, I can't, I've had so many different people that I've spoke to that I've gone, oh shit, and I completely overlooked that. Yeah. You know, even down to my fighters and like their mental prep going into it and, and like it's always changed, but I started to really look at how I can make people from from what from sending the first message like you did, yeah, to coming in the gym to leaving the gym, how I can make that whole experience yeah just yeah. fucking lovely, you yeah. know. Just so they like, you know, and I and I hope you did. I hope from the first text you sent, you felt very welcome and and you know, yeah, so but like yeah, just and and that's sort of something I, I pride myself on now you know I'm, I'm not going to be fighting but I can pride myself on like giving people a good experience so yeah well it's, it's funny isn't it like you've almost, <clears throat> it's almost done I mean you know from my experience it's almost done a complete u-turn for you because like I you know I emailed you messaged me back like straight away like yeah do you come mm. on Monday blah 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 and like you know yeah. full, full disclosure I like I parked up and I, I walked up and I looked in the window and I saw everyone like getting their geese on and stretching and I was mm. like I was like I can't fucking do this and I, was like, hey, I started walking back to my car because I, you know, I get quite anxious and stuff. That was the reason why I started yeah. the podcast. And I was like, I was like, no way can I do this and all this. And then I was like, no, oh, fuck it, you're here, just fucking do it. And I went in, and you know, like I kind of stood there for like five minutes, and I, I felt a bit awkward and all this. And then um, I think is it is his name Adam, the the other the other guy. Yeah, Adam. He came up to me and was like, you knew, and I was like, yeah, mate. And he was like. First session three, he was like, grab grab a gee and start stretching and we'll go upstairs and just went up. And then, yeah. you know, the, the hour went by, like, mm. and then I came yeah. out of it and I was, you know, I'd like every person, like, I think one of the things I love the most about jiu-jitsu that I've seen is that whole, like, community vibe and everyone shakes hands at the beginning and at the end. And you yeah. know, you're, almost, you're almost like giving each other a hug at the end. You're like, yes, yeah. even though you've almost basically pretended to try and kill each other, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's what was there was like there was a real thing there for me like you know martial arts to me I've always been a bit like intimidated but it's never something I've done before like I'm a surfer mate you know I'm like yeah. the opposite kind of vibe I'm like I just want to sit on the beach and you know go in the sea and 
chase chase girls you know it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a funny you know and as fighters i'm sure you guys do that as well but that it's there's not that kind of aggression there but i didn't find that at all everyone was just like there for the love of doing it more than anything yeah you i mean you'll find like the jujitsu in the surfing community and the climbing community and like so many different communities so similar because the the emphasis on like the actual sport itself disappears when you get to a certain level and it's just the love of something, you know, yeah. people with a combined, like people with a, a passion for something, you know, so you all love the same thing, whether it be fighting, whether it be surfing, climbing big walls, you know, whatever you like, there's a group of people that love it. It's like a bond. And yeah. it, it's very, very tight, you know, it's in, and, and over time that it just grows and grows. You know, you walk, I remember one of my coaches said to me like, uh, in, in 15 years, all of you white belts, if you stick at it, will definitely be black belts. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck, that's true. You know, like, it's, it's true. It is. And, um, yeah, like, people people that are at my gym, when it, like, they turned up and they were blue belts and even, like, white belts when they turned up and now they're, like, purple belts. When they come in, they, they sort of, like, they didn't have any... They They just come in as, like, these, like, blank canvases yeah now they're like you know they're messing me like oh jack do you mind if i take a class or like and and what i started to do now is is i coach the coaches so i put on like workshops to make sure the coaches know what environment i want and it's not like me being like a megalomaniac like i just want to control everyone i want to just guide them into saying like you know if you do this this will happen. If you don't want to do it, it's fine. You coach the way you want to coach. Yeah, and as long as people are happy with that, I'm cool with it. Yeah. But like, you know, and I also talk about like how you can make people feel, you know, if I, if I'm always going up to you saying, and I'm like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Then when I walk up to you, no matter what I'm saying, you'll be like, oh shit. I've done and that. yeah. Yeah. And, and with the oh shit comes nervousness yeah. And then it shuts off different parts of your brain. When you're, ner- when, you're, when you're scared or when you're nervous or anxious about something, your brain goes into survival mode of like, shut down the brain and look on, look on my, my body, get blood pumping around. And, and I'm like going to you, hey, like, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. And you're like, I can't understand. And you do it wrong and get more nervous. And, yeah. and that's not how I ever want to coach. Now, were you... So like, I suppose you want, you want, you know, you want everyone because at the end of the day, it's also a business, you know, you want everyone to come away with that, like that positive experience. You want people to come back, don't you? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the more I've done it, like I, I started looking into ways to coach people and like, and like, you know, going out. And one thing I never done was never tell people when they're doing something good. And I completely overlooked it. Yeah. And like, and as some of my coaches done it and I liked it, it worked for me. Um, so one of my coaches, Gordo, he would literally look like this and I would like submit someone and he would go, and I'd be like, fucking, I just tap that guy out. Like, yeah. And he just didn't show any sort of acknowledgement. So I wanted to try and make him really like notice me. I was like, I've got to make him notice me. Yeah. And that's what pushed me. But then I thought that worked for everyone else and it doesn't. It just built up like people just thinking, what a moody prick. Yeah. And in fact, like, that's not me. That's just what I thought people liked. And what, I, I love nothing more than like when someone does something right, I'm just like, fucking yes. Like, because yeah. I know like with boxing, people watch videos. Oh, that's how you punch. That's how you kick. But 
no one ever grew up going like, oh, that's how you do an armbar, really. Not many people did. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for me to teach someone something and then them nail it, and even more so when they tap someone out with it and they look at you, and that's a fucking connection that I don't want to go, why should I do that? Yeah. I want to go, like, fucking right on, mate. Like, good work. And then, and then them see that, yeah, shit, I've done some good. And then, you know, occasionally I'll go, that was awesome, but, like, change this a little bit. And then they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll, they'll change it. And then they'll go, was that good? I'm like, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Because then I go home and I'm like, I'm buzzing. They're buzzing. Yeah, yeah. And then they come yeah. back in. And, and that, you know, that's, that's something that has really changed in myself, making, making it a happy place instead of a tough guy place. And, and I think, you know, it, people may see that as softening up. Um, but I really think that now instead of just coaching and being able to influence like 10 people, I can coach and influence like hundreds of people because you gravitate more of a, a positive environment here. So. Yeah, I think so as well. And I mean, you know, for <clears throat> like for me for years, I um, I was a windsurfing instructor. I traveled all over the world teaching windsurfing. And I yeah. I got to like, you know, similar to you doing like your workshops, we there's like varying degrees of being an instructor and you have to do yeah. instructor courses. So, you know, I, I, I went along and I did my, I'm like an advanced plus instructor. So the highest level you can be and you're, you know, it, it is an odd thing being taught how to teach. Um, yeah. But it's, mate, it's a skill in itself, just teaching. Like, I don't know about you, like windsurfing, a big thing is like you give them the shit sandwich. So you're like, right, yeah. you, you know, you've done this really well work on that but overall you're doing good you know and, yeah you know that, that yeah. stuff, the, the praise burger for a, you know to make yeah, exactly yeah. You know? yeah but like even like i try and make try and make it so it's almost like it's natural to me because then it's going to feel more natural like i just i you know i i got told about certain coaching techniques but unless i know the reason why you do it i don't really i don't do it so like, you know, people say, I'll do this. I'm like, but why? And they're like, because people like it. And I'm like, yeah, but why do they like it? Like, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's just like, I need, once I know that, I'm like, oh, that, yeah, that makes complete sense. But I really have to like look into stuff a lot. And it's, yeah, I'm just, the, the gym now, Mad Hat is, is, I get so many positives from it that aren't just me turning up and training. Yeah. You know, I get, I, I get undated with like messages, text messages, that was a great class, Jack. Thank you. Uh, another great one is like when, say, like Adam's coached and you, you like, that's a great class. And like, I'm like, shit, like, not just, you know, not just the gym's doing well, but all the coaches are doing well. And then I'll, I'll message them and I'll be like, hey, I've had a couple of messages. People are really happy with your classes. And then you see them get more confident and they're like becoming even better. And you're like, but before I'd just be like, I'll try and teach all the classes myself because I'm like, everyone must want to be trained by me because that's why they've come. Well, probably like a handful of people that have been done doing it a while want to be trained by me. But in reality, like some of my coaches may be better for that person, you know, because yeah. some people might come in and they might just be like, I really like Mad Hatters, but that fucking Jack's a bit of a cock. <laughs> and fuck it, I'm cool with that. Like, because there's other coaches. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. If, no. Not everyone's going to like you. And I think once you realise that and strip that sort of ego of like, this is my gym, everyone's got to like me. Fuck, man. If, if someone doesn't like me, I, there's other gyms they can train at or there's other coaches at my gym they can train yeah. at. I just want people to train. <laughs> like, 
I think it's funny, isn't it? Like everyone, everyone learns differently as well. You know, like some people learn by like watching something. Some people have mm. to listen to the whole thing, and some people have to know exactly why you do it in order for it to work. And like for something like you know windsurfing, like you said, or or or, or jujitsu, or these kind of things that are really really technique driven. Like there, you really have to find out like certain people teach a certain way, and certain people do learn a certain way. Like for me, I have to watch it like hundreds. Yeah. Of times. So like every time you know you're on the mats like showing us something, I'm like there and I'm like, yeah. do, it, do it again, do it again, do it again. I need to see it from yeah. like every angle, and you know I, I learn I learn by doing that. And I think that's just from me windsurfing and surfing, and I've just watched videos of it for years. I'm like, how do I do this move? How do I do this move? So I think yeah. well, that's how I tend to learn, you know. So I think mm. some some instructors may be like, right, I'm gonna, or some coaches, sorry, will be like, right, I'm gonna. I'm going to just do this and not necessarily talk. Whereas other coaches, I guess, will, will chat low. Yeah. yeah. You're probably going to get, do you, do you think you get more, you know, like what you said earlier about joining the UFC and you're not necessarily bothered about that. And you're, you're quite happy going for a walk in the field and stuff. Would you say you probably, by the sounds of it, you get more like job satisfaction from passing on your knowledge to all these people than actually, you know, doing it yourself and being a potentially like famous fighter. Like, would you say that? Would you yeah. say that's true? Um, yeah, I, I mean, everyone likes like fame, or not so much fame because fuck me, like, he's, he's just just fighting or, or whatever. But like, everyone likes to be known for yeah. doing good at what you do. So you know, when I was competing jujitsu, I done really well in maybe the UK sort of okay. scheme of things, like the ranking. You know, I got a couple of good number one in the UK for a while on certain things, and and like. That was cool, and like I won some belts for like lightweight British champ, but in in uh, MMA, and like that was good. But like you, you take your foot off the pedal, and and you know the car stops moving, but the road's still there, and people just find someone else who's who's on that path, and like that for me was like <laughs> remember I took a while off. How did I take a while? Uh, I so I stopped I stopped competing. I was doing really I was competing in MMA, then it went over to jiu-jitsu and I was I was doing really well. And then I had a knee surgery and and then I had my daughter and it, I just took a bit of time off competing and everything. And I remember I remember just like less likes on Facebook, less likes on yeah. Instagram, less people messaged me asking for seminars, and I was, at first I was like, fuck you guys. Yeah. You're in. I'm like you fucking, but like, you used to love me, and then, <laughs> and, then like, and then I just thought like, no, this is this is why this sport is shit up because it's evolving so much that like everyone's just fucking like flying. It's like a fast road to like the you know you you've got to get back on it and like, and I was just like, and it and and what happened was when I taken the time off, it was hard to get go like right, I'm going to compete because everyone knew me as doing so well. Yeah. And I really put this fucking stupid pressure on myself that stopped me competing for so long. Where like I was like, oh, if I compete, people are going to be there. Like Jack should be winning this, and Jack should be. And I had a couple of people like go, "Oh mate, you're going to win this. You're going to do really well." And like, and I and I was like, "Fuck, I'm not going to do this comp. Like I'm not really 100 percent ready. I'm not." And and I love competing, right? Like, and because I just love competing because I have like. I love everyone that does jiu-jitsu. Like, I can't... I could give you a handful of people that I don't like that do jiu-jitsu, and it's only because 
I just don't know him well enough to to like him. You know, I don't, probably don't hate him. I just don't really know him well enough to say I like him. But um, and like, so I go to these comps and I'm just gelling with everyone and like catching up. So that's a buzz. And then when I'm in there, like I just look at the guy and I can't help just looking at him and thinking like, you're you're you you're trying to attack me with your best shit, and like I'm also going to put my best game on you. And like neither of us know who's going to win, and we're so fucking like. Yeah, you know, it makes me a bit giddy, and I just and then like if they win, I re- it doesn't bother me. Like you may see me look upset or like fuck, but usually it's just because I feel like I should look like that. I don't care. Like, do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And like, and then like if I win, I'm just so fucking happy that I won as well. So it's just it's just a win-win. So I put myself off doing that for so long because I put this pressure on myself that people think I've got, I've got to win. Yeah. And I remember going to my first comp and I was like shitting myself. And and I turned up there and I started chatting to everyone. And I was like, this is what I loved. Like, And then I'd done the comp. Uh, I think it was Southampton Open or the Army one. And I won it. But like, it really didn't matter. Like, I just remember thinking like, I didn't care if I won or lost that. I just loved it. Like, I went out to a comp in Amsterdam. And me and a couple of my students, we drove over there in my van. Camped, camped over there and I slept in my van went out partied the night before competed got smashed <laughs> like went yeah. like drunk beer all day and then drove back like the next day and it was just so cool and I just thought like fucking competing's like alright if you want to be a world champion that ain't that ain't how you compete no but like <laughs> don't just just like don't like don't worry what everyone else thinks because the reality is people don't give a shit like wow. you know if you if you win or you lose the next time people see you they don't go oh remember that loss or do you remember that win yeah and you think they do but no one gives a crap and it's just once you get that you sort of like that's the hack for just you just turn up and do jiu-jitsu and you just have a laugh and and it's just that's what makes it beautiful for me like i would if someone phoned me now obviously not with fucking covid shit but like if someone phoned me now and was like, do you want to compete tomorrow? Even though I haven't rolled for a few weeks, I'll be like, 100%, yeah, let yeah, me yeah. do it. I mean, like, I just love it, yeah. So. I think it's it's such, it's just such a, there's something so, like, primal about it, isn't there? There's something so, yeah. and and I think, like what you said, I think that that whole community side of it, I think a lot of people maybe don't, don't think about that as much like it doesn't matter if you're if you're winning if you're losing it's the same in you know win seven there's all the competitions and all this stuff i've competed a little bit and i've never really cared about it like i now organize the uk freestyle championships and stuff and it's everyone's wrong and it's it's not like a big serious thing and everyone's like it'd be cool to win (laughs) i think there's just that whole vibe of everyone just coming together and just having having a nice time um yeah that's the best thing with it i mean in, you know, in terms of when you when you have been on this this stuff, I mean, it all sounds pretty you know overwhelmingly positive. Um, have you have you come into contact with like you know people in the kind of martial arts you know industry kind of thing that have kind of struggled with mental health? Like, is it something that's talked about a lot in that industry, or is everyone a bit of a closed book? Uh, so, like from the outside looking in, you you sort of look. I like I I love studying people and like. Like my missus thinks I'm the nosiest person around because I just love like watching people and I like get a little kick out of like what people get up to and what yeah yeah and like so like watching people in jujitsu I remember thinking like there's a lot of macho ness and like there's a lot of but realistically people are like just trying to act like their coaches act or act how they think their coaches act or 
act how they think they should be acting. And when I started, it was quite a macho sport. And now it's sort of been overtaken by, like, I would say hipsters, but they're not really hipsters. But, like, I don't know. It's, like, more of a cool thing to do now, like, you know. And, and I love that. You know, some people hate it, especially some old old school people hate it. Yeah. But, like, you know, more people doing it, I, like, I love it. So, um, but as for mental health, like, it's... I always had the thing, uh, and this is like a dim view and by no means my view now. Yeah. But like when people had mental health issues, I was just like, just stop being a fucking pussy. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh my God. If there was something I wish I never said to people, it was that. Yeah. Like, I fucking regret. If I've ever said that to anyone that's suffering mental health, like I'm fucking so sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> knowing what I know now, it's just a shit thing to say and it's just an ignorant view. And I was... I, I I I sort of had this. I just used to think that like the best answer to everything was just fucking just man up and get on with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I took I took my um, my mental health granted. Like I've whether I don't know why, but like I just have a very good resilience to like any sort of mental health. I'm really I look at the positive about everything. Yeah. And, I I overcome everything and I've I've got an attitude of like anything that happens will pass and I'll be able to deal with it because I've dealt with stuff before. And I'm I'm blessed in that way and I've, I'm really grateful for having that. But I've always like looked at other people that struggle and be like, why don't you have it? You know, and it could be like, it's like someone with amazing genetics going like, why are you all fat? Like yeah. you'd be like, you are so. And that, that's, that was what I was. And like, and I, I, I could so, sort of like, see as I got older I could see people struggling more and more and then there was there was a lot about it and people started speaking about anxiety and stuff and and I still didn't really know too much about it but I would always I'd always be there for mates and I would always say like if you train jiu-jitsu you'll feel better yeah like no matter what if you train jiu-jitsu you'll feel better <laughs> and like and it's it's true it's true you will feel better but it's it's not always the answer and either a close friend of mine, when I, when me and my brother was in Brazil in 2002, we met a guy called Marcus um, and he wrote a book like about all these, like the, the first wrestlers and he's just a great author and he's just a, a very smart guy. And yeah. he, he said to me, you know, I want to train jiu-jitsu and he owned um, Brighton BJJ Exchange and they was, he was affiliated under Mad Hatters. Yeah. Um, but they're not now. And, and he used to he used to phone me and say like, oh, "Can we meet up?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." And like, this guy was so smart, and he used to like he used to always say, "Tell me stuff." And I'd be like, "Fuck, this guy's got it made. Like, he's so switched on." And one day he said, oh, "I'm not going to teach jujitsu anymore, um, but I want to leave it. So oh, we need to find someone to coach my classes." And I went, "Why is that?" And he went, "I'm just going away." And I went, "Where are you going?" And he went, oh, "Mate, I just like I just want to go away and sort of start again and everything." And I'm like why like your life's cushy you've got a good jiu-jitsu club in brighton and you're a purple belt and like in my head i'm like you got everything going for you and yeah. and then one day he rung me and i was i was at work and i couldn't get to the phone i was like oh, fuck it. like i'll phone him back later and then um and then one of his students rung me and was like marcus hasn't turned up for class he was coaching him and I was like, you know, go around his house or like go and see him, like find out what's going on. Cause he'd never, he would never not turn up to coach. He's yeah. very like, he's very like um, proud of everything and like on time and punctual. And then, um, and they phoned me up and they said, here, Jack, um, 
we've just gone in there and we, we found him hung, like he's hung himself. And I was just like, what the, like, how the fuck? And then, I, and then as soon as I thought that, I thought, I thought back to everything, all the conversations about him going somewhere. And I was like, oh, fuck, like, that's so obvious. Yeah. And like, all the conversations, I would always, whenever we talked, I'd always be, like, talking about other shit and not really listening to him. And, and you know, I, I don't I don't sit there blaming myself for it by any means. I'm not, you know, I'm not so fucking stupid to think that. But he was going to do it anyway. Um, and then, uh, so after that, I was, like, I was taken back by it. And, you know, things I, I don't get too upset about death and stuff like that but like I was taken by I thought you know that guy was so smart and then and then a, a little while before that uh, another mate of mine his brother killed himself and and I was like shit like if if you went along and you had a couple of people die of a disease that you knew you'd start thinking like this is pretty fucking serious yeah, yeah. and I and and in my work uh, as a I work as a fireman in Worthing yeah, they're always talking about it. It's always it's okay to be not okay, and like there's all like shit around the walls. That let's be honest, like when you're struggling that much, you ain't gonna phone a Samaritan's line. Yeah, and and that's why I think talks like this are good. You know, it's it's, it's going to be good for people to listen and listen to oh, people mate. speak openly yeah. about it. The whole the whole the whole reason I started it, mate, is just just to I think it's it's so easy to approach it from like a clinical perspective and treat it yeah. like. Uh, a disease where he, you know, and they do prescribe here, take these tablets, yeah. they'll make you feel better. And that's absolute bullshit. Like the, yeah, only, so- the only way it happens is by us sitting down and, and chatting. And the more of the yeah. more of us that sit down and talk about it, the more of us are going to stop. stop killing yeah. us, you know? So like I am, um, I've, I phoned up um, and I spoke to a few mates and I went on this mental health awareness course. I wanted to be a, a mental health first aider initially. Right. Um, for for my work but like that didn't you know it's just hard to get into so then the union at my work pay for you to do an online course of mental health awareness cool and i started doing that and then as i'm studying this like a, a friend of mine who i took coach boxing to his girlfriend phoned me and said like he's killed himself and then like i wasn't able to see my daughter for a long time and there was people going through that and I kept seeing like threats of like suicide and, and, and when I was going through it, I felt low to the point where I could understand what people are at, why they would do it. Yeah. You know, I saw no end to my struggle and yeah, it was yeah. things like that. And, um, so I just sort of thought like, if, if I, in jujitsu, I tell people like, if you do jujitsu, you'll, you'll be able to deal with stuff. But like, that's not true. You know, some people need speaking with and some people need pointing in the right direction. And I started looking into it and there's so much stigma around like, okay, so someone who's struggling with mental health, they seem to think, Oh, you know, the amount of people that I've spoken to and I've said like, have you gone to the doctors? No, they'll just prescribe me medicine. Yeah. And, and that, that's the problem. This stigma of people thinking that if they go to the doctors, they'll just get, if you go to your GP, let's say chances are you may get prescribed antidepressants yeah now if you go to your community mental health team you know or or like you know the the correct uh, avenues your chances are you'll get treated a lot better but if you go to your gp the gp is going to go right i've got a we've got a patient we're going to treat him we've got a patient he's been treated that's our job done 
yeah, they've offloaded it. Exactly. These mental health teams will try and put together like a, a package, yeah. you know, a care package for you. And there's so much, you know, um, medicine's like the last thing they're doing now. They're doing like CBT therapy, and that's yeah. what I'm going to study after this. And and I I use a lot of it in my fight training. You know, I use like visualization. I am. Um, I use a cognitive understanding of your feelings, you know. Um, so people think about going into a fight, they get nervous. Why are you getting nervous? Because people don't know. Why am I getting nervous? I don't know. I'm just nervous about fighting. Now let's think about it. Well, I'm nervous. What if I can't get the guy down? Well, let's put a stop sign up every time you think that. So they see a visual stop sign. Yeah. And then let's reinforce it with a positive that's happened. Well, that's pretty much CBT. You, you know, you're reinforcing what goes on in your head with an actual reality. And there's the things that are out there for people. And it, like in my head, I must, I think there must just be like counselors that are sitting there, like with all the mental health. How comes we ain't getting seen? And it's because either a the stigma of people not wanting to go to the doctors because they don't want to get either um, called insane and never be able to get a job, and they think all that goes on, which doesn't really. No. Or they don't want really to just be put on medication, which dulls you and turns you into a cabbage. Yeah. Um, and like, I, ju- I just think like the, the help's there, but it's very hard to get at. And the people that need help the most go for help the least. You know, I was, um, I'm not, you know, don't, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but um, the other day there was a guy on a bench um and he was just sitting down and someone said, look, this guy's a bit distressed over there. And we went over and spoke to him. Yeah. The guy was just fucking struggling. Just having a really shit day. And, and I sort of said to him, I said, listen, mate, are you, are you all right? And he went, yeah, I'm all right. And I was like, as soon as I said, I was like, why the fuck did I say, are you all right? Because <laughs> I've, yeah, I've given him an opportunity to go, yes, I'm all right. Leave yeah. me alone. And like, and then, and then I sort of took a step back and thought like, what can I say? And I said, look, you don't you don't look right to me no you don't you don't look right and and for someone myself that's been where you are i kind of would have liked someone to come and chat with me how I'm, i want to chat with you and he went no no but you know i'm just having a bad day and i said hey you seem like you're having a very bad day and and if you want me to go away i'll go away but like if you want to chat and he's like no i'm all right i'm all right i'm all right but he didn't say i want you to go away so yeah. like i'm sort of like men have men and women, but, you know, because I'm a man, I know what I was saying. I'm like, you're very proud. You think you don't want to accept help. I don't mind helping people. I'm the first one to go, man, come on, let's do this. If someone said to me, I'm, I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. Like, leave yeah. me alone. But um, this guy's sitting there and I said, I said like, what's, what's going on? Like, what have you been up to today? And as soon as I didn't ask him a direct question, I could just see him like breaking down a little bit and getting upset. Yeah. So then, like, I just sort of sat down and we chatted and we was chatting away. And I said, you know, like, what was the matter? And he said, look, I'm just just finding it hard to cope with stuff. I've got PTSD. Um, and we didn't go into detail about why he had it or what had brung it on. Of course, yeah, yeah. But I said, have you? I said, have you been for help? And he went, he went, no, no, I'm I'm right with it. And I said, look, the fact you're sitting down upset and getting upset because you can't deal with it means the problem's bigger than you. Yeah, and that's what people don't get. Like, if if something's breaking you down, the problem's bigger than you. If you're getting crushed by this anxiety, depression, or manic behaviour, or like you know psychotic thoughts, if you're getting crushed down by it, it's too big for you. And yeah. like, you've got to get help. 
but you've got to get the right help. And the help, the easiest help to get is a mate saying, come on, mate, you're looking a bit down, let's go and have a drink. But reality is you go and have a drink with your mate and then your mate fucks off to his girlfriend and leaves you and then you sat at your house, now pissed, and the next day you're hungover and what was a good drink with good intentions actually spiralling you down and down and down. And, And you need like, you need people to pick you up in them times and sort of you, sometimes you need people to tell you some shit how it is. You know, I had a good friend of mine who started getting into drugs quite bad. Yeah. And, and it was so difficult, you know, he, he ruined his business, he ruined his family life and everything. And I could see it slipping away from him. And, it, and I used to try and like push him in the right direction, but I never wanted to push him away because I always wanted to have a connection with him. Yeah, yeah. It was like, and he messaged me the other day. He's got a good job. He's just passed the drugs test at work and he sent it to me going, fucking hell, look at this. And like, and like, just to see like people like that. And I think he was like, he phoned me one night and he said, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, yeah. And I, I drove from my house to his house and I was outside banging on his house going, let me in, let me in, let me in. And that was after a couple of weeks after my other friend had killed himself. And I was like, I'm not fucking having this. You know, like, it's got him around and, and like, you know, it's just too many. It's too many. Too. This is going on far too much, and yeah. it's being ignored far too much. And and by saying we're doing all this and we're putting on all this help isn't helping. We need to change the reason that people are getting in these situations in the first place. Yeah. And you know, I don't know how to change it. I, I can I can train people, and if someone comes to me for a bit of a chat, I, I feel like now with what I've learned. I can give them a better chat than I could have done before. Yeah. But like, I just, I, 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 what I would love to do is have a big unit. Yeah. Where we have like jujitsu and fitness and then a big lounge where we have coffee. And in the night you have, you know, social drinking, not getting hammered, but like, so people can just go and fucking meet their mates and just have a chat. And, and then you have a couple of people that are trained in mental health awareness that can spot yeah. things and like sort of negate the room to the right people and the right cares there. And it's, and I think that's a man's, that would be like a, a manly surgery that you could go to rather than going into a doctor's and having some fucking pasty shirt wearing pen pusher going, uh, well, let me write you out a prescription for that. And you watch the guy just sink where he thinks, Fucking hell! This is exactly what I didn't want to happen. Yeah, it's not it's the, last, the last thing I need is is this. Yeah. It is. It's it's such a it's just it's such a difficult thing to navigate, isn't it? Because as you yeah. think, and it's not it's not even that. It's also every single person is completely different. Like oh yeah, definitely. No two people. Yeah, you know, and you know, yeah, we're, we're men specifically think a, a, a certain way, but still, every single one is completely different. From yeah, me to everyone else. So the way I deal with my own head is completely different to you. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, we have the thing in common and the, you know, jujitsu and, and that's a, a certain escape. And that's an escape yeah. I found for myself. And something for me that I've learned is it, what, what, what it's given me is perspective of like, mm. and I think a big thing that a lot of people are, are sorely missing in terms of mental health is that kind of escapism sort of hobby to have. And yeah. something that you can go and do a couple of times a week, your 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 brain completely shuts off from. I'm behind on my mortgage payments. I'm going to lose my job. My I'm getting a divorce. I've any any issues you're having, for, yeah. that, for that hour that you're on the mats, 
Like, I can't, my brain doesn't even register anything else that's going on other than that exact moment. And that's, that's right. a rare, it's a rare thing that pe for people to have, I think, is to have something like that where they're just present for the whole time. And, well, and they, they, they say that um, there's, like, there's like steps to good mental health and they say like oh. you should learn something new. Yeah. You exercise, you should socialize, you should live in the now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there's there's something else, but it's it's some it's something similar to all that. Yeah. But basically, like in jujitsu, you don't have time to think. You start thinking about your mortgage payments, and you're getting strangled. Yeah, right. someone's got your arm like this. You know, you're you're done. <laughs> but in the same respect, you're also exercising. Yeah, yeah, and you're also around some really positive, good people. Um, and you're starting something new. You know, you've, as you said, when you walked in, you went to walk away and, and like, man, like I've, I've had, like I've had times when I, I, I cannot lie to myself. Yeah. I know some, some people put something up on Facebook and, um, you know, they'll go right this, this week I'm going to put up on Facebook, like, um, I'm going to do 10, um, 10 rounds of grappling every week. And if I put it on Facebook, I have to do it. Yeah. If I tell myself I have to do something, I really have to do it. Yeah. And staying, staying true to myself is one of the things that I've always had to do because I know as soon as I start lying to myself, it's a slippery path. You know, I've had it with like certain things in the past where I'm like, you know, lied to myself. Like I won't do this again. I've done it again. I'm like, shit. And like, I feel like I really let myself down. Um, but like some people, some people don't have these things and they're little, they're little life hacks that I find just, just help you with stuff. They help you feel a bit proud, like getting up in the morning, and just speaking to yourself in the mirror. Yeah. If, yesterday, uh, yesterday it was, I had like a really low day, you know, like, um, I won't go into a, a lot of detail because it's just, everyone's got their problems. But, um, at the moment in this lockdown, like my, I'm not allowed to see my daughter because my ex won't let me see her. Right. Well, she lives in Blackpool. I, I kind of get it. It's understandable. But she won't really let me um, have more conversations. She's been very stingy and holding back a lot. Yeah. And, and whether she actually is or whether she's just anxious about it all and, and that's a problem. But, you know, I'm not here to slate anyone. But, like, that's going on. Then my son got born three months early and yeah. he's in hospital and I, I can't see him. And I'm like, I've seen him a little bit, but like, and that was all playing on my mind. I can't see my family. I can't train jujitsu. And like, day to day, I don't give a shit. I'm like, I wouldn't have seen my kid early because he's born early. So like, that was a bonus that I got to see him anyway. Yeah. I know my daughter's being looked after. You know, she phones me once a week and she's so happy. And jujitsu, yeah, I'll train when everyone's back, but everyone wants to train. So if I looked at it logically, I've got nothing to worry about. But on that particular day, I was just like, Ooh. and I was sat on my sofa there. It's like a nice comfy sofa, <laughs> stuffed like a whole pack of biscuits. I was watching <laughs> shit on TV that I like normally wouldn't even watch. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like, man, I just feel like having a drink. And, and it was that where I said, I feel like having a drink. And I thought, my partner is in the hospital with looking after our kid and like, doing everything she can. Like my daughter probably wants to see me. Like my friends all want to train jujitsu and I'm fucking sitting here like a self, like feeling self sorry for myself and just like, you know, eating shit and doing everything that I normally tell people not to do. Yeah. And I stood up and I done something. Like I, I went to my mirror 
got a mirror in my room and I was like, I looked at myself and I was like, you would fucking have a word with yourself. Yeah. And like, now, now people would say you're crazy. The people would say you're fucking nuts. You talk to yourself in a mirror, but it's, it's helped me so much. So I, I looked in the mirror and I, yeah, I was just like, I was like, you, you, if this was your friend, you'd have a word with yourself. And I was yeah, like, yeah. stand up, like be who you want to be. Be who you tell other people you should be. Like, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You've got fuck all to go downstairs and do something. And I was like, I will, I will. So I walked downstairs. I'm like, I'm fucking going to do something. And I just went in my garage and blasted out like a workout. Yeah. It felt fucking great. And like, I went upstairs and I looked at like empty biscuit packs. I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? Like, Yeah. It's like night and day, isn't it? Yeah, and I, and I just looked at them and I thought, them empty biscuit pack could have been empty beer cans. They could have been empty fucking packets of drugs or, yeah, yeah. you know, they, you know, it could have been anything for anyone. And I, I know it's only, only fucking cookies and stuff, but yeah, like... I was going to say, there's worse things, mate. Anyone could have anything. People could spend money on something or people could go out and seek violence. And, and for me, it was just that. So it was pretty much, it wasn't too bad. But like, that, understand that, you know, people do feel shit. You know, people look at me and they could say like, oh, you've got a nice gym, you've got a missus, everything's going well for you. What, what have you got to feel bad about? Sometimes there's just something in your mind that will just make you feel a bit shit. Yeah, for sure. Like, and like, everyone has everyone has these kind of bad days, don't they? I think what you just said there, like that's the most important bit is is working out how you how you kind of deal with those bad days. So like, and that, that's, that's amplified, as you said, especially at the moment because we've got, you know, you can't you can't go to the gym every night and train. You can't go and do this. Like for me, you know, I can't. I, I drove up to Scotland a month ago. I'm staying here with my mum. My mum got made redundant and she's disabled and stuff. So I'm staying with her. And like, yeah, so I'm I'm like back in my back in my childhood home, sleeping in my room. Like it's like I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah. the first the first thing I do, I wake up and before I can start my day at all, I go and work out because then I start yeah. my day and I'm like, and I, I don't I don't really like working out like. Yeah. I, I like going I like going and doing sport I don't like working out really but nah. I've kind of found myself almost enjoying it and now I, I can't do my day without it because I start my day productive and I've you know, and I'm like boom now I can go and do work and then even if I do end up sitting and eating five or six cookies I'm like well I worked out you know yeah, exactly yeah. There, there is that happy medium at the moment especially especially at the moment because there is there is that certain amount of like turmoil in the world, isn't there? You know, everyone, yeah. everyone's feeling a bit anxious about things and, you know, yeah. it, it is difficult. Yeah. It's, it, and like having, just having a few routine bits, like I get up, make the bed. Now it's nothing, but I make the bed and I make it, I make sure I make it well. And I take a bit of pride in it. And like, yeah. even though like, why do you care? Like, and it's just, when you do that, you have a better day. I don't know why, yeah. but like, you know, you just just have pride in what you do. Like, do anything, but if you do it really good, you'll do something and have a bit of pride in it. You know, yeah. don't don't get me wrong. I've had days where I'm like, I get up and I just can throw the bed like that and get out. But very, like the majority of the time, that's never a good day. Oh, it's a rough day. Where I've had a, you know, you have a bit of time and or like I'll put together a class in jujitsu and I'll teach that class. I'm like, fucking yes, it was like brilliant. Or like. I'll put together a training thing and, and I'll do it and I'll think, yeah, that, that was good. And it's like when you put a bit of time into stuff, you have a bit of pride about it. And when you have that pride about something, it goes a long way, I think. Definitely. Yeah, no, I think, like 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 you said, it, it does 
it does make a massive difference. You know, if you, yeah. whether, whether it's your, whether it's your work, whether it's, it's like, it's like when I go to jujitsu, I don't go there going, Oh, I'm just going to go a bit half-assed in that. Like I go in there and mm. I'm, I'm going to give this everything I've, I want to come out feeling like I'm going to be sick. You know, yeah. like I love yeah. that, that drive home from jujitsu and I've got to have like <laughs> every window in the car open because the car's going to be up and, like that's it's an epic that, that's almost yeah. a better feeling than actually doing it because I know oh, yeah. I know that I gave everything to it and the same same for me when I'm out windsurfing or serving when I come in I can barely carry my board up the beach because I can't walk yeah. anymore you know and that's I think there, there's a lot to be said for just giving giving this stuff your, your all um, yeah. and that's in work in, in everything um, and I think yeah. there are people that just kind of go a bit half-assed into it because maybe they're they're not necessarily doing something that they're enjoying i mean that's you know that's a big thing as well isn't it not you know oh man like that that honestly happens so much um people doing stuff and like settling for what they think they should be doing yeah like it's so many times in my life i've had nothing and I, and that's that's fucking helped me so much like I've got no fear. And I, I said it to my girlfriend, like my, my girlfriend, Kristen, she's, she's so, so by the book. I, I love it. Like yeah. everything's by the book. She won't, uh, I'm trying to think of stuff she does. Like she won't bend the rules. She'll definitely never break the rules. And if ever she does something naughty, she's so embarrassed by it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And whereas I'm like the other way, I'm like, fuck that. Like I don't <laughs> care about anything. And like to meet someone where we have this happy medium, that's like works so well, but like I said to her the other day, I was like, the reason I don't care about something is a lot of the, well, one of the reasons I don't let stuff get to me too much. Um, so if something good happens, I won't get so excited about it. She'll be like, we go on holiday, like we'll book a holiday. And I'm like, that's good. And she's like, aren't you excited? I'm like, yeah. but like, I never get so excited because then if it doesn't happen, then I'm not so let down. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. if something bad happens, I'm never like, oh, this is so bad. I'm like, yeah, Okay. And what happens then, I never get ups and downs too much. Yeah, like yeah. When I'm on holiday, I'm not like sitting moping around. I'm loving it. But like, yeah. I just, I try not to like have too much of this going on in my yeah, life. Yeah. I try and keep it sort of steady. And like, and she's, she's the other way. Like, she's like, she'll, something good will happen. She's like, oh, that's brilliant. And so bad. And she's like, oh, it's the worst ever. And I think it's important to like, just keep a, keep a happy medium about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, well, otherwise, otherwise, you know, like you can have these huge peaks, can't you? And then like massive, mm. massive troughs, you know, whereas yeah. Yeah, if, if you can find a bit of a balance of like, like, like you said, just, you know, ma- maintaining a bit of, it's all, it's almost discipline, isn't it? It's almost like, yeah. you know, maintaining that discipline of your brain of like, yeah, we're, we're going on holiday in a month. Oh, but there's a global fucking pandemic now. And now the holiday's yeah. cancelled, you know, and you're not yeah. going to be, you're not going to be running, oh, for fuck's sake. Whoa. Yeah. That just sends you down, like, so yeah. much, doesn't it? And it, it, it doesn't just do that. It makes you, uh, makes, well, it makes everyone like a fucking shitty person to be around. It makes, yeah. it makes your whole life difficult for a week for, for something ultimately really trivial. Yeah. Know? I think it is but, um, important, but, it, but it's difficult to do, mate, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. Cool. So what I said to her, I said, like, I don't, I've had nothing. Like I've, I've had a situation, I've had more than one situation in my life yeah. where I've been like, living in a gym, no money, don't know how I'm going to get back from like the other side of the world. <laughs> and like, or being robbed and had nothing or like, you know, there's, there's been times where I've just been like, what I've got, fuck all, like living on mate's sofas and stuff. 
And then like from them times, I'm where I am today. And it's not just happened once. It's not luck. It's like, it's a drive that I've got where I'm like, I don't care. And even sometimes in my life, I've self-destructed on purpose yeah. because I get a little kick out of having nothing. Yeah. Because when you've got nothing, you really, you've got no worries. Yeah. Like, you know, look at, if you look at homeless people, now they, they look sad. They look sad, but rarely are they really sad. No. Usually they're happy. You watch them with each other and they're all like laughing and giggling around. They've got no fucking worries at all. They're like, you know, and in the summer, you watch them in the summer, it's like they're having a holiday. You know, they're, they're living the best life. And I, I do think like, obviously some of them are down and depressed, but when you've got nothing, it, it, life's a lot easier. And what you do is you start, you start putting like weight on your shoulder, like and weight on your shoulders, and you go, right? I need to get a mortgage. I just get a mortgage. All right, put that, and that's a little weight, and that's something you'll think about for the rest of your life. So what you've got to do is to think about the weight that you put on your shoulders and whether it's worth putting on them. Yeah. So like, for example, I, I brought a van, and it was a big purchase for me. I've never brought a car worth more than like five hundred quid. Yeah. And I bought a van. I was like, do I want this van? Am I going to use this van? And like, am I going to wake up every day and look at that van and go, yeah, that's worth the money I paid for it. It's only a van. But like I thought about it before I put that weight on my shoulders. And I love it. You know, I use the van all the time. I go out in it. I've decked it out as a camper van. And, and, I, and like, and then the other thing is like choosing the people that I'm around. And like I always, I always look at who I want around me. Like sometimes we don't have a choice, like due to work and stuff like yeah. that. But when you do have a choice, like choose smart because then people will rub off on you and then people you'll rub off on them. So, you know, I've had friends around me in the past and especially with what I do, and I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm, I'm some sort of amazing person to be around because I'm not, but like, especially from doing jujitsu, you get a lot of people that just want to be around you because you're, like high up in the jujitsu class. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're the coach, mate. And everyone, yeah. everyone wants to be friends with the teacher, don't they? You know? Exactly that. And, and you, it's, it's not only bad for them because, you know, they'll, they'll sort of, some people can be a bit kiss arsey and you have to really sort of watch them people because you want to, I want to have a friendship, but I don't want to have someone like kissing my ass, you know, but I'm, you, you know. And not a fan, don't you? Yeah. And, and you have to really like draw the line of like, like, come on, like, you know, you, you, you just see it a little bit and you'll see it in class but like and I've, I've managed to wean a lot of them people out either by being brutally honest with them yeah um, or you know or, or not but it's, it's important to not have people around you that you don't want around you some people I'll, I'll get on and, and I'll just like my, my, my missus sees it I'll just get on Facebook and I'm like delete delete that person delete <laughs> that person yeah yeah and like I've had chats with people where I'm like I just don't want to hang around with you mate like, I don't like hanging around with you. Yeah. Or I don't agree with what you're doing. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's tough to say that to someone because you upset them. But in the same thing, like, I now, that's not a weight on my shoulders. I don't have, like, some guy that rings me and every time he rings me, I go, oh, fucking hell. You know, yeah. he just, that's it now. I'm just never going to see him again in my life. That's brilliant, yeah. you know. And it's, and I think that's so important. Like, if you, if you take on a job, you really want to do that like with the mad hatters i remember looking at I was, before i was teaching and i was teaching for a gym and that was brilliant because i had no worries yeah, but yeah. then all of a sudden like for me to own a gym again i was like oh shit 
And then I just, I thought, right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it 100%. I'm going to put everything into it. Yeah. And I, I remember, like, the day it opened, there was just so many people, like, man, I'm so glad you're running this and, like, it's, it's your gym now. And, and, I'm, and I was just like, fuck, this was the right move. Yeah. And I swear on my life now that if I'd opened that and didn't have that feeling, I'd have shut it down in a, in a month. Yeah. You know, I, because, because that's the... I I will only do something because I like it. I, I joined the fire service, and when I joined, I thought if I don't like this, I'm I'm out. I never wanted to be a fireman. Didn't even give a shit about it. Like yeah. I walked past the fire station one day and I said, oh, "That looks cool," and it would be nice to do something in the community. Yeah, so yeah. I joined and retained. And then on the retain course, they went try the whole time, and I got in first time. And I thought, and I just completely lucked it all the way in. I had no GCSEs, nothing like that, and they. They just liked my chat and we got on well. And we, my interview, I hadn't sat in a classroom for years. Yeah. My interview was me having a joke with them and telling them about what I'd done and they was interested. And I got the job. And I, I fucking love it. But if I didn't love that, I'd have left my job. You know, and I still say to people now, if, if this job ever turned into a job I didn't like, I'd just quit. Leave it. Yeah. My missus, my missus gets paranoid. Every time I say it, she's like, no, no, what about your pension? What about this and that? And I'm just yeah, like, yeah. That's the pensions and things are stuff that lock you in, and the fear of like you're never going to earn money. Honestly, I've had no money so many times, and I've always like landed back on my feet. And I don't think it's by luck, I think it's just by having the mindset of like I'm going to do shit well and I'm going to do what I like doing. Well, that, exactly, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for you know, for focus on focus on what you're good at and get really fucking good at it, and eventually mm. it'll turn into an opportunity. You know, and yeah. then it, it, there's a lot to be said as well for, you know, everyone at the bottom or say, you know, the bottom of the ladder, all they're doing mm. is looking up. As soon as, yeah. you get, as soon as you get to the top, there's nowhere to look but down, you know. Yeah. It's easy to get, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, you hear it, don't you, when people get the, the dream house or they get the whatever it is that they've been saving up for for years, they get it and then they're like, well, fuck, what do I do now? You know, yeah. they end up twiddling the thumbs and they end up overthinking and they end up yeah. it's nice to always have that thing that you're kind of striving towards, you know. So like for you, you've got you've got the gym now, you've got the van, you've you know, yeah, you've got your nice home life, but now you're like, right, how do I how do I make the gym bigger? How do I yeah. how do I get a little lounge in it? How do I have people training you know, how do I make it bigger? You yeah. Know? It's yeah, there's a um there's a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Yeah, it's a damn man. Have you read it? No, I haven't, mate. No, oh, no. it's um, it, I don't know if it's a good book because it was one of my first books I read, <laughs> and it, I was like, you know, I was just sort of, yeah, I enjoyed it. And it, it, there's a story in it. I think there's a few stories in it that mean stuff. And he is this guy, and he's he's like a he's a gymnast anyway. And there's a, he meets a girl called Joy. Yeah, and she's like, come come run up this mountain. Like at the end of it, there's this there's this thing that I've got to show you, and you you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. And so they're going up this mountain and there's like, he's like, what, what is it? What is it? And she's like, just fucking just chill out. Like, just, just, let's just live in the moment. I like, look around you and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like looking around and then he's like, next day he starts to relax into it. And he's like, oh, this is, this is beautiful. But, and he forgets about the, the thing at the top and he's just having a good time the whole way up there. And when they get up to the top, he's like, what is it? And she like picks up a rock and she's like, there you go. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, it's just a fucking stone. And she's like, no, no, like, you don't understand. This is a token of our journey that we had up it. Yeah, yeah. 
and it took him a while like to, to understand it but like you, you get the picture it's like people are so focused on like the medals in jiu-jitsu the belts in jiu-jitsu the house at the end of like her hard work and, and yeah. it's like in fact like you've got once you start living in the now and living in the moment you'll fucking have such a good time like yeah, yeah. you know day to day the stuff that gets you what you want like going to work you can make work the funnest thing if you don't if you're not focused on the the home time you know if you're not thinking like how many hours do i get home yeah exactly mm. you're wishing your life away don't do it it's- yeah well i think you know there's a, yeah the, the the journey is often very much overlooked all everyone's thinking yeah. about the destination but actually sometimes or majority of the time probably the journey's the funnest bit that's you know? it yeah um i think so so i mean what what do you think, you know, going going back to kind of, you know, jiu-jitsu and, and your gym and stuff, like, do you think it's it's a fairly accessible thing then for, you know, people that are potentially struggling? Or, like, do you think there still is a bit of a stigma potentially around, like, martial arts that it is, you know, like you said when you first started, like a bit of a boys club and... And all this, like, yeah. do you think? Do you think that's got better as jujitsu's got bigger? Or oh, definitely, yes, so much. Like the people we have coming into jujitsu now are just a different, different kettle of fish. Like mm-hmm. you, you just get all different types of people. You get like people that you know, you get your builders and your doorman and stuff like that. But then also you get like your your IT guys. You you yeah, yeah. you know your internet coders and you you get your pilots and policemen and firefighters you, you know you get so many different people there you couldn't stereotype who turns up to it yeah and then i got up london i teach up in a gym called flow 63 up in london yeah it's a really good gym wandsworth town and um and you go up there and there's like you know some celebrities up there there's there's like lawyers there's the, you know millionaires and they're just all on the mat together and you're like fuck like and there's there's people going like there's there's people with problems there's people with mental health problems that are like I need to do jujitsu you know they're like I need this yeah yeah and they'll, they'll take time off like they'll 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 be working an hourly rate they're probably earning thousands and thousands and yeah, they yeah. take that hour off to come and do jujitsu now for me like fuck there's nothing more that I think shit this guy is like just gone stop to either like just the best time of his life or like the, the most well-paid job. And he just wants to roll around and, and listen to what you've got to say for an hour. Yeah. You're, like that, I think it's just amazing. Like I, I still, sometimes I still teach and I'm like, do all these people actually give a shit what I'm saying? Like, I can't yeah. believe it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, me. yeah, yeah. I'm just like a fucking, just because of, you know, it's, I haven't had a lucky life. I'm not saying I've been lucky to get everything I've had because I have worked for it and there's been shit times that I've had to get through to get to it. Yeah, of course. But like, I'm, I'm still, I still look, I never have this thing where I'm like, I'm the coach, they should listen to me. I yeah. still look at them and I'm like, I can't believe people like, people are turning up and they're like asking me shit and like asking me to help them with stuff. And like, people ask me like, they'll go from asking me about jujitsu to like relationship advice. I'm like, man, I'm fucking... Don't ask me that. <laughs> I'm terrible at everything apart from jiu-jitsu. You know, like I, <laughs> yeah, like my my relationships have been terrible. Like I'm lucky now because my girlfriend's so understanding about it all. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's something something else I've really had to work on, like living with someone. I've spent so long traveling and meeting different people. Yeah, yeah. That like to put my focus on someone and have someone in my life who's like loves me so much, and I'm like. Jeez, this is like 
this is actually a great feeling. Like I've, yeah. I've never, never even thought this is a feeling, but like now I'm like, I come home from the gym and she's like happy to see me. And I'm like, why is she so happy? And she's like, oh, you're back. And I'm like, I know, but like, what would you be doing? It's like, you sort of take these things for granted because I'm, I've done so much traveling. I've done stuff people wanted to do. Yeah. And I'm like, and I've missed out on a lot of stuff like relationships, jobs, and job satisfaction and education and stuff. But I've done a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But now, now's my time to sort of like really enjoy these things. And like, I just, I, I love where I'm at at the moment. I think that's, you know, you've, done it, you've done it the right way around though, I think. You know, you've, you've well, gone, maybe. <laughs> you've gone and you've traveled and you've, you've, like you said, when you first arrived on the, on the beach in Brazil when you were 17, you're like, holy shit, there's, there's a whole world out there beyond, beyond England, yeah. you know? And I, I learned yeah. that. Oh, I, I moved to Australia when I was 18 and I, I'm from the Highlands of Scotland and I got there and was yeah. like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, I think it's, it, it did me, it did me really well. You know, I, I've only settled, you know, I settled, moved to the Witterings only a couple of years ago after 10 years living overseas. You know, it's, yeah. it is, it is a, it's a jarring thing, isn't it? To suddenly go, oh, I'm going to, you know, try and put down some roots. Um, yeah. And it, it, it can be, feel a little bit scary, you know? Um, and I think it certainly like freaked me out a little bit, you know, but then, you know, yeah. Now I'd say I'm like the happiest I've ever been, you know? Yeah. Um, you have to do that. You have to do stuff that scares you. You know, like when you walked into the gym, you went to walk away, you turn around and come back. Like just shit like that, doing stuff that just scares you enough where it's safe and you, and you get over it. It's, it's yeah. just good shit. <laughs> oh, no, like, dude, yeah. I mean, it was, it's the, like, the best, you know, it's the best thing I've done. And I found myself like, like I said, I think... Flow Six Street is that the gym where the, the one in London is that where Guy Ritchie rolls and stuff? Yeah, I think he goes down there. You got um, a really good. There's a couple of really good PTs down there. You know, James Smith. Yeah, yeah, I follow James. He's yeah. like, yeah, man. He's like, he loves it. He he does a lot of jujitsu and yeah, yeah. and there's just people that do it that you like. Um, you wouldn't. I don't know. What's that? Gold Rush. Have you seen Gold Rush? He's yeah. like some salesman on there. He's like an act. Ed, Russell Brand, they all they all just do it. And like, yeah, I mean, I um, my one of my mates, Ali, who he lives in London, he's a policeman. He he rolls there, and he said he's he's been there, and he's like rolled. He's a blue belt, and he's like, yeah, I've rolled with with Guy Ritchie yeah. and, and all this stuff. And like, uh, they, Guy Ritchie's done a podcast with Joe Rogan, and they talk about it. Oh yeah, and yeah. He said about it. He was like, you know, you get in there, and he's like, everyone's like, oh, hello, Mister Hollywood, and like, there's no. Yeah. Everyone, you know, yeah. and then you get on the mats and it, it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter who you are. And I think that's another great thing about it as well, you know. Yeah. There's there's none of that, but there's also there's also that level of, you know, like respect. Like for me, coming on like as fucking fresh faced as you can get, yeah. I, I get on the mats and it's not like some big dude goes over and is like, right, you, you, you're with me, and then just proceeds yeah. to hang out for the whole hour. Like that that was what I thought it was gonna be, and it, it wasn't at all, you know, everyone's like there's that there's just that huge amount of respect in it and i think that teaches you a, a lot of stuff for like daily life as well and just that, that yeah, sort of, you know discipline side of it um yeah. I've, I've you know even after i think i've done like eight eight sessions maybe and i've taken so much away from it you know yeah yeah it's good it must be a it must be a mad thing to and like it's not a it's not a thing you do for like a few years, is it? You know, it takes. Oh no! <laughs> it takes like you know how many years did it take you to get to black belt? Uh, I think it was eleven. Yeah, and like it wasn't eleven years of like 
doing it a couple of times a week. I was literally every day I was doing yeah. jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, and it's like, I, I think now with the, um, the sort of coaching out there and the online content and stuff, I think now it's a lot quicker, maybe. But like, I think white to blue belt is really one of them belts where it's like, that's your, you really learn about jujitsu, you know. And, and some people never make it. Some people just go, like, you know, like I've been coming two years and I, I haven't got my blue belt. And it's no reflection on that person. That person can turn up and be really good. Yeah. But they might, And all they have to say to me is like, well, what do I have to do to get my blue belt? And I'll tell them. No, like it's no secret. I'll just say like yeah. you're passing shit. Like, come on, like you got a past guard, you can't keep playing guard. Or like I'll say, you know, some people I'll even go, Your attitude's terrible. Like you turn up and you just smash people. Yeah. Like you're making other people feel shit. And I don't want to have a blue belt in my class like that. Yeah. You know, I want a blue belt as someone people can turn to and talk to. And they'll go, I didn't mean to be like that. I just thought you'd think I was good if I smashed everyone. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, oh, all right. And, and it's simple as that. It's just that. That relationship from student to coach needs to be kept as like fucking legit as shit. Like you can't, you can't be, you can't have people sort of like, oh, I don't want to ask Jack something. Like, you know, I have, I have people in my class and they say stuff. And I think, fuck, if you said that to like another coach, you get your ass handed to you. But like, I'm glad they're saying it to me. You know, I don't want people to be rude to me, especially not in, in the gym and that. Um, but like in the same respect, I don't want people to be so scared they can't speak to me as as like a coach or as a friend because oh, you're going to be around these people for potentially like 10, 20 years. You want to, <laughs> exactly. you, you know, you're going to form a good friendship and you're going to go through some like wicked times and you're going to share some conversations with them that you wouldn't share with anyone else, you know, so... No, exactly. I think I think it is. And it's, it's, it's funny, like my friend, my mate Ali, who, yeah, he trains up in London and he was like, he was like, I, I first sort of messaged him and I was like, I've started going. And he was, mate, he was pumped. He's like the only one in our friend group that does it. Yeah. We were chatting and he said to me, he was like, you know, some, sometimes you're the hammer and sometimes you're the nail. And, yeah. I, and literally, I, like the last session we had before lockdown, I finally, yeah. I had one session, I felt like the nail. Like, yeah. I, I finally, it was the first time I made someone like tap and stuff. And I was like, oh, good, yes. But yeah. a couple of weeks before that, I wasn't necessarily, I think I was having a bit of a bad day and I, you know, in, in my head and stuff. And I, I went to jujitsu and I think it, it was quite obvious to a few of the guys that I wasn't having a good day and I don't really know them, but you know, yeah. after, after each role, they were like, don't worry, mate, you know, it's, you've got to get through this and stuff. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I was obviously giving that vibe out of like being, yeah. but it's weird. Yeah. I, I wasn't frustrated about being shit. I think I was just, you know, and after after jujitsu, I felt way better. But yeah. it, I think yeah. I just had that kind of frustration throughout it. But it's it's such a good way to to vent and get it out. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I love it. Like, and I I tell you, this lockdown's really sort of shown people how much jujitsu's influenced their life. Yeah, because like I see pictures of like and videos of people like practicing it on their girlfriend. They're like they're messaging <laughs> me going, oh, "I've been looking at this." I'm like. Like you don't realize how much you're into jujitsu because when you're doing it, you're doing it. But yeah. as soon as it stops and you can't do it, you're like, oh shit. And it's like, you know, it's just like you start looking at things and you're like, everything, you, you see everything and you, you want to do jujitsu. Like you're out doing weights and you're like, how's this going to help jujitsu? Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it, I think that's great. I, like, I, I really think it's great. But like, 
I think also in this lockdown, like I, I, I contemplated with the idea of doing online tutorials. Yeah. And I just thought, they're shit. They're yeah. just like, they're just boring and like, they no, you don't get anything from them really that you can't get online. And and I, I actually, I think what's better is just to get online and chat with people. Yeah. Um, but like, one thing I really sort of wanted to say to people is like, if you can't do jujitsu, just don't do jujitsu. Just focus on other shit. Yeah. Like go running or go skipping or go lift weights or like don't try and do jujitsu when you can't because yeah. you'll just be so fucking frustrated. Like, and you won't enjoy the workout because you know it's not transitioning to jujitsu that much. Yeah. It's not. It's but not like, real, is it? Yeah. If you go right, now, I've got six weeks here where I can't do jujitsu. Why not use that six weeks and just start doing bodybuilding weights and stuff and just yeah, yeah. You know, trim up and that and look a bit good and go fuck. Like, I feel good now. Yeah. You know, just, you know, you're going to see results. And when you see results, you feel good about it. Yeah. Like, doing jiu-jitsu, you're only going to get better by doing jiu-jitsu. Like, you can do yoga, you'll feel good doing yoga. And when you come back to jiu-jitsu, you, you know, and you get twizzled up, you won't feel as bad about it. But, like, you know, you just, I think, if you can't do something, if you've got, like, I got, I've been injured a few times doing jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, I've been so frustrated. But then I went, I was in Brazil and I was injured with a knee knee problem. And I was like sitting on the mats every day, getting upset. Like, I want to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. And then this guy was like, man, why the fuck are you here? You're in Brazil. Go see Brazil. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then that, that was it. Like, I was out in Lapo on the piss and I was like going to see him, <laughs> Christ the Redeemer. Like, but yeah, you just got like, if you can't do something, don't do it. You know, you can't, you can't, you just beat yourself up about it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think like, and it's very, it's it is very easy to say, take this time to get better and improve and do all this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a big proponent of like, do whatever the fuck you need to during this time. You yeah. know, for for yeah. me, for me, I've like ended up putting quite a bit of time into fitness and stuff, and I'm actually really mm. enjoying it. And I'm I want yeah. I want to try and carry it on alongside, you know, going to jujitsu and going windsurfing and all this. You know, that's like. Yeah. I think yeah I think you're right like you shouldn't try and replicate it and stuff because if anything it's just going to put you off you know yeah exactly yeah it could be you know and and people miss out on stuff like these times you can just spend time at home like with your family just having a good time exactly and people are like oh I just wish I was at jiu-jitsu I'm like fuck man like what you wish you was at jiu-jitsu board and you wish you was with your family like yeah. it's, it's a compliment but at the same time I'm like fuck like you have got to put it's nice to hear, but you also want people to have their priorities right. Like, Absolutely. And, you know, and, and jiu-jitsu is going to be there when we can all move again, isn't it, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. We'll all, we'll all be back on the mats and all laughing about this. And, you know, it may happen again, but I'm sure we'll be better prepared next time. And <laughs> Exactly, mate, exactly. Um, so to, to, to kind of wrap up then, mate, a um, few, few little far, far away questions. Uh, I know we couldn't, uh-huh. you're, not, you're not drinking, because it's a it's, yeah. a it's a Wednesday. Um, what's your what's your favourite beer? What, what what is your what's your drink of choice? Talk me through it. Uh, I'd say my my most commonly drunk is probably the Punk IPA. Oh yeah, the Brewdog. Um, yeah, just I, I just like it. It's hoppy and it's nice. And it gets me fucking smashed. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like I, I I would I I would say to Kristen whenever we go out drinking, she's like, "What should I have?" And I'm like, "Just get me anything." She's like, "Don't do that to me." Like. I'll drink anything. It will taste like piss. <laughs> I just, yeah. So. 
Nice, mate. Nice. Yeah, brew, brew dog's good, mate. It's that. It's only brew, it's brewed like half an hour down the road from me where I am now, which is pretty weird. Oh, nice. <laughs> how massive the company is, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. But um, yeah. Where's your where's your, your your favorite place? Like your happy place? If you could click your fingers now, where would you be? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> she, she just said it. My um, wrist just come back. Uh, in the woods, like I, I'd probably like I'd probably be in the you know the California big reds. I just yeah like, yeah yeah. Or, or like Costa Rica, but if I could be somewhere right now, um, where I, I like to go is my happy place, uh, Kingly Vale, and sitting underneath the yew trees, nice. like. Oh my god, I love it there. I just love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. Favorite favorite movie? What What are you sticking on during lockdown? What are you watching? Um, I like I like really silly movies. Like I just like to laugh when I watch them. Um, but like I don't know. I've got such a wide variety of movies that I like watching, like Will Ferrell movies. I was going to say you're a Will Ferrell man. <laughs> yeah, uh, Talladega Nights. I find that really funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that um, yeah, that's probably one of my favourite ones. Talladega Nights. Yeah, uh, that's a classic, mate. Hot, Hot Rod's pretty funny. Hot Foot Rod's Fist, amazing, Foot Way. Have you seen Foot Fist Way? Uh, I don't think so. No, I've seen I've seen Hot Rod. Uh, Foot Fist Way's got Danny McBride in it, and he's a martial arts instructor. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, some girl comes in. He's like, she's like, oh yeah, uh, I don't know about doing karate, like. You know, my friend said uh, jujitsu and like yoga and meditation's really good. And he's like, he's like, how about what? How's yoga going to help you if you get raped? Now meditate <laughs> on that. And it's just like that sort of like shock humor where you're like, yeah, but Danny, yeah, McBride, Danny McBride's yeah. the best, in mate. I think he's the funniest yeah. guy in the world. Have you seen Eastbound and Down? Yeah, Kenny Powell. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Powell, yeah, that's mate. good. It's what's it? It's jet skis. His jet skis called like the pussy wagon or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, and he's like, "Get that Shrek looking fuck off my jet ski!" <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that, yeah, that's fucking sick. And then, I mean, this this probably this answers itself. Uh, favorite favorite sport? If you could be doing doing anything right now, what would you be doing, mate? I've had you do so. Yeah, like I, I I love doing every sport. I'm not like blinkered to just doing jujitsu. Yeah, but like especially now like if you ask me another time when I'm training loads of jiu-jitsu I'll be like oh maybe like something different but like yeah right. now I'm just I'm just craving just to get on the mats and just roll yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. done it like most of my life like all the time like over half my life I've done it so yeah. like yeah yeah a bit of fr- I do like frisbee though I love playing a bit of frisbee <laughs> <laughs> keeping it chilled with a bit of frisbee afterwards yeah <laughs> nice um, nice, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much for um, for telling us your story. Thank you for being so so candid about, it, mate. I hope um, I hope yeah. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it, and I hope I hope people can take something positive away from it as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening, or everyone. Um, thank you, Jack, for coming on. Um, no problem. Thanks for listening to me and having me on, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, guys. Thank you very much, and we will see you for the next one.